0: I'm Josh Kingsley, your host for the Complete Wedding Planning Podcast, where we give you stress-free wedding advice from the experts. At the Complete Wedding Planning Podcast, we believe that weddings are supposed to be fun and fulfilling, not full of stress and conflict. We are presented by Complete Weddings and Events, your leading provider of photo, video, DJ, photo booth, lighting, and coordination services. Visit CompleteWedo.com for more info. The life plan's in motion. You have the perfect partner and all the plans for the future. Maybe the big wedding day is approaching fast and you're eagerly awaiting the perfect nuptials and an epic party. Or maybe you recently checked that box. But now it's time to establish that perfect home for you and your partner. So welcome to the fifth and final part of our finance series. We've talked about all the steps to plan and execute the wedding, and we've even talked long-term finance with Ryan and Maggie Spark. This time, I'm joined again by Adam Purcell to talk about the house. He's a licensed realtor with REMAX 100 in Milwaukee, and we'll be talking about the process of getting into the perfect starter home and also making the upgrade to the forever home. So, Adam, welcome back to the Complete Wedding Planning Podcast.
1: Morning, Josh. Thank you for having me on.
0: Hey, you bet. All right. So let's get right into everything. So think about couples that are engaged, already married, recently married. They're living in the apartment and they're wanting to get out of apartment life and they're wanting to get into their house. So how do you recommend
1: starting that process? Sure, so that's a great question. You know, first off, um, obviously I'm a huge proponent of home ownership. There's no place like home right? Uh, There's no place like having your own space that you can make your own, uh, that you can have privacy. Um, Obviously, everyone has their own wish list when when it comes to uh, buying their first home or upgrading. Uh, And that's typically a little bit different to everyone. But at the end of the day, um, you know, a a home can be a great upgrade for quality of life for, you know, you and your partner. Um, Where we start? Okay, let's start. Let's talk about where we don't start where most people start and and they they make a mistake is starting by searching for homes online, right? We know that it's easy to do, it's easy to jump on a computer and kind of start dreaming about what that looks like, but we need to take a few steps back and we again have to start with the finances, which is why this is so relevant to, to your series here. Um, the first step that you really want to undertake in buying a home um, is understanding what you can afford to purchase. Now, you can do this with uh, a lending officer, uh, a loan officer, lending officer, mortgage broker. You'll, you'll hear them called a, a couple of different things. Um, if, you're, if you're serious about the process, otherwise, you can just do you know, some Google searches online and you can find some, some calculators to help you with those things on the, on the front end of the process. Um, understanding what you can afford is very important but there's a couple of different components of that that we need to compartmentalize. Uh, there's technically what you would be pre-approved by uh, a lending officer for, but then there's also what you're comfortable with, right? And those often can be two different things. Uh, you might be approved for a higher amount than what you're actually comfortable in, in signing up for. Um, and here was what I would tell you are my general rules for you know, responsible homeownership financing, okay? Um, we think that your a loan should not be more than uh, 30% of your total gross monthly pay between you and your spouse. Okay, that is a good conservative number. So quick math here: uh, if you have if you have $10,000 a month of combined income, gross, that's before taxes, your uh, principal, interest, taxes, and insurance should be no more than $3,000. Okay. The second rule of thumb is that the total price of your home should be that you're going to purchase should be no more than three times your combined annual income. OK, so again, quick math here for making one hundred thousand dollars a year combined income, their house should probably be no more than three hundred thousand that we're looking for. Those are just some quick numbers to get, uh, you know, general rules of thumb that uh, if you do that, uh, you should be in a pretty financially stable position. But there's one other thing that I want to mention here that I feel is very important. Uh, we generally want to have a six months security blanket okay um in case you know someone loses their job someone gets sick someone gets hurt and they can't work we generally in addition to um what we're going to need for our down payment we want to have uh six months of uh, the security fund put away to make sure that you know we can continue to make payments right
0: So that's a good way of jumping into knowing what you can afford when you're looking at picking the home. So any other hidden costs that we need to make sure that we're aware of um, things like insurance, uh, things like that.
1: Sure, yeah, so um, there's really four buckets, uh, generally speaking, of, of, uh, of, of monthly payments that you're gonna have to make. So we have our principal and interest, which is generally what, uh, you know, the banker loan officer is gonna tell you, right? Um, and then we're also gonna have taxes and insurance. So those can be fairly, you know, large numbers, specifically the tax component, and, and we have to be aware of those. We call it uh, P-I-T-I. So if you remember that, principal, interest, taxes, and insurance. Okay, so those are the four areas. But one other thing to remember, now, a lot of people think that you have to put 20% down for a home loan. That's not the case. Uh, we see you know, clients all the day, uh, all the time, putting down somewhere between, let's say, approximately 5%. It's still possible to buy a home with 5% down. What you have to remember is you're going to be paying uh, private mortgage insurance. That could add you know, anywhere from $100 to $150 a month to your payment. So that ends up being that fifth bucket that uh, you know, your mortgage advisor would, would certainly tell you about. There's one other thing I want to make clear. There are costs associated with home ownership. I'll give you a great example. Uh, this morning, my water heater went out. Okay, so I called the technician on the way in. I know that's probably going to cost me two to three hundred dollars minimum by the time that person leaves my house. So, maintenance and repairs, I always recommend budgeting uh, at least $250 a month. The thing is, though, it's not something that you're going to have to pay on a monthly basis. So, you may get away with paying nothing for a year. But you know, then you might need a roof. Year, you know a year and a half into it, right? Um, so these are things that you just need to keep in mind because what you might say is, hey, uh, you know, our our payment, including all items, are going to be is going to be fifteen hundred dollars a month for this house. Right now we pay fifteen hundred a month to rent. We should just own. Well, you got to remember, there's going to be a couple hundred of bucks tacked onto that in the maintenance and repair costs that are going to come up. Okay.
0: Okay, so uh, it sounds like what you're saying is try to find the actual house payment that's going to be on a monthly basis be less than what your rent is, and then use that difference to uh, build that that extra budget.
1: So well, I want to yes, yep.
0: Okay, so I want to ask a couple uh, other questions about the uh, taxes and the home insurance. So how do you actually pay those? Do you write a check on a yearly or monthly basis to an insurance agent, or are you writing a check for the taxes on a quarterly? Ah, uh, biannual or annual basis, or how does that normally get
1: managed? Good question. Um, and and the answer is it varies drastically. Uh, each lender generally has different rules. I know um, many of the lenders that we work with. Uh, when you close on the home purchase, uh, they collect upfront a year's worth of of insurance. Okay, uh, they want to make sure that that home is insured because obviously you know, you own the home, quote unquote, uh, but they are, you know, obviously have a huge interest in that home being financially protected because you owe them a lot of money for that asset, right? Um, so that, that's uh, one example of how, how insurance can go. Typically after year one, uh, you can pay that on a monthly basis. But again, that same lender will mandate that they're, you're always three months ahead, Okay, so they, there's little safeguards in place to make sure that that they're protected. Taxes um, also varies widely. It varies by lender and it varies by municipality. Um, typically, what will happen is, um, especially if you put down less than 20% a lender is going to mandate that your taxes are, are spread for 12 months and paid each month with your uh, your mortgage payment in December they're either going to send you a check written to um, you, your spouse, and the municipality, or they're going to send that tax check directly to the municipality. Oftentimes, that's something uh, when you're you're at the closing table and signing your loan documents, that's one of the questions you're going to be asked. Would you like this check to come to you, and then you're responsible for sending it in, or would you like the check to go directly to the municipality?
0: So as you're paying into the the monthly account that's called an escrow account correct
1: correct yes that's exactly right
0: okay any anything else that you would just want to make anybody aware of when talking about
1: escrow accounts no i mean you know the the escrow account is it's essentially funds held by a third party um, an intermediary if you will um, that uh, is going to hold on to those funds until it's time to pay them in the case of your taxes that would be your 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 bank uh, or I should say your your mortgage company because a lot of mortgages these days are not originated by banks that's becoming a larger and larger segment of the market um, but I will tell you that the escrow concept is important that's also going to come up when you when you get your contract um, to purchase for a home. When you get that contract in place, you're going to have to put down uh, a down, uh, what's called an escrow deposit or earnest money deposit. Uh, and that also, let's say that amount is $5,000. That's your basically your, your promise that you're going to finish what you said you would in that purchase contract. But now we might have inspections. We have our final financing approval. We have our appraisal. While you're doing that, we need to put those those funds, again, let's just for the you know sake of conversation here, $5,000, um, held by that escrow company.
0: Okay, perfect. So let's circle back down to the down payment that we talked about. So you you mentioned that 20 is what most lenders are going to want. That's a good target to go for. And it sounds like you're going to have the fewest amount of uh, hoops and rules and things like that that you're going to be jumping through and complying with, but you can go as low as 5%, correct? Three and a half. Three and a half. Okay, so how do you recommend a couple determines what the right amount of a down payment is, and also how do you uh, suggest they get there to be in a position to just
1: do this effectively? Great question. Um, that is a, that is a difficult question because to every client it's different, um, and it's interesting. And typically, I, I also see a lot of conversation between the couple, right? Oftentimes. Uh, Uh, The folks, each one of each person in the couple is actually on a different page Um, because now we've talked about the communication aspect in one of the one of the previous chats here. Right. And this is important uh, here as well. Um, You know, we have how much we're going to put down for a down payment. Now, remember, the down the 20 percent down payment is good if you have it because you can avoid that private mortgage insurance. The problem is, is, you know, you might be taking a significant or, you know, almost all of your savings out of your bank account. That can make uh, someone uncomfortable, okay, which I understand. And, and again, my opinion is if you uh, are going to go under, if, if getting the 20% down payment uh, takes you out of the ability of having six months of an emergency, emergency fund set up, personally for me, I would not do that. I would rather put a little bit less down Pay the the PMI private mortgage insurance and know that I have my my six month emergency fund in place, right? But again, my spouse may feel differently than me, and we have to have that conversation. Um, you know, the so the down payment, the down payment, and the and the loan amortization, right? You generally can either finance a home for fifteen or thirty years. Um, I tend to see a lot of back and forth conversation going on uh, between my clients. Uh, all the way up until you know they have to lock the loan in, which oftentimes is after the accepted offer. One other thing I want to touch on, Josh, um, there are zero percent down payment loan options out there, okay, uh, but they come with a lot of restrictions. Um, and most lenders avoid them be based on the, astra- uh, the, the, how restrictive they are. I get asked about it all the time, but I will tell you the other reason I'm not so keen on these things is because I'm worried about, okay, if, if you want to buy a home and you do not, you have, you have no money for a down payment, where's your six month emergency fund coming from? Right. And it's important to me, you know. I am a realtor. I'm a huge proponent of homeownership. I think it's 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 great for families, it's great for people, it's great for communities. But we preach responsible home ownership, right? We do not want someone overstretching themselves. And uh at the end of the day, you gotta make sure that you're in firm financial standing before you buy a home, right? It's very, very important. One other thing I want to mention to you, Josh. Uh a home is not an investment, okay? That's, that's very important. Uh, we have, you know, right now the housing, the housing market is very good, you know, which, which is excellent. But, you know, we know in December prices rose 10%. That's not sustainable, right? It's, it's, it's just not, that's not gonna happen forever. You might get lucky and buy a home in a, in a short-term situation and be able to sell it and get your money back or even make a little bit of profit, but that is not the norm, okay? I would say at best, a home is a long-term savings account at best, but in the short term, it's really a form of consumption, okay? So you, almost, you need to look at it like rent, especially if you plan to be in that home five years or less. Okay, you have to look at it like rent because the odds are you're at best, you're just going to be able to get your money back.
0: All right. There's two things that I want to point out here real quick. First of all, we are officially batting a thousand. We are five for five in stressing communication through the entire budget and finance series. Every single one of these has said talk to your partner, talk to your spouse, get these conversations done uh, as candidly and early as possible so you're not. Sitting in front of your your mortgage broker and your realtor, trying to decide how much your down payment is going to be. Uh, that's not a that's not a conversation that I think you take any joy in watching. Uh, and then the other thing that you pointed out that I just want to mention, I'm going to make the uh, assumption that you've read the book Rich Dad Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki, and he has an entire section where he talks about. Uh, viewing your home as a liability and that's a that's a basic accounting term and a liability is something that you actually pay into and an asset is something that you uh, are, are able to pull money out of on a, on a really high level so think of the house as a liability because it's consumption it's something you're living in um, not saying to not have one we both have houses we like having houses like you said responsible home ownership so um, good stuff there so next place that i want to get into is think of the couple that that has a home. They've got their starter home and they want to get into the forever home, whether that's building, moving to a different neighborhood, uh, whatever we're talking about. So what is your uh, recommendation to make that transition and how does that plan
1: look different than getting into the first home? Sure. So the, the first thing I would say is, you know, now, now that you've, you've purchased a home, you know what that process looks like. But now that you've lived in a home, You have a pretty good idea of what you like and don't like, right? We we oftentimes, you know, one of the first things we'll ask a client is is what's most important to you, right? Well, if you've never lived in a home before. You're, you're kind of, you know, uh, calling, you're calling the shop blind, quite honestly. And oftentimes what we see is some people might purchase a home in two to three years down the road and say, you know what? Um, I thought the basement was the most important. It's definitely not. Our, the, the kitchen is the most important thing or vice versa. You know, we wanted this big, beautiful kitchen, but I, I really would like to have some, uh, some uh, entertaining space in our basement. And I'm willing to make that, that, make that sacrifice or the house is too big or the house is too small. So now we have some experience of actually living in in that home. And that's the most important thing. Now we're fine tuning. Right. Um, So and then we start the process all over, Josh, you know, we come back and where, where do we start? What can we afford? Okay. What, what should we be approved for? And secondly, what are we comfortable with? Right. Um, and, and, and to each their own, you know, and at the end of the day, you need to be comfortable with that payment. So it's very important that we get ahead of the finances first, then we start shopping. Okay. Cause I, I see it all the time. I'll, you know, i have clients who are, you know, shopping for homes that are 20 25% more expensive than what they ultimately are going to be able to afford, um, and you know that's that's heartbreaking, right? Like why put why put ourselves through that pain?
0: Yeah. So in other words, get the finance uh, in line before you go out and start touring places and find out that the neighborhood that you want to live in with the perfect school for the next step the kids are going through just isn't attainable. Uh, that that makes a ton of sense. That's exactly uh, so, right. So, what would you say is the way to know? When it's right to make the move, aside from getting the financing in line, how how does a couple know
1: that it's right to upgrade? Great question. Um, You know, the first, it's interesting. Go back. I go back to the basics of of financial budgeting, right? Um, And Josh, you and I have done this together. You know, you you can one page budget worksheet where you take all of your revenue that's coming in on a monthly basis or, or income. Uh, and all of your expenses, okay, with your current situation, and you look at what, what is your, your net positive each month, okay? If, it's, if we're upgrading from a starter to forever home, odds are that home is going to be significantly more expensive, okay? So now let's just say we have, a, you know, a, a monthly net positive cash flow of, of $800 per month, okay? Personally, we've gone back to this communication. I think we need to start with, you know, honey, What can, what are the different options we have for this additional $800 per month, right? Um, It could be uh, a savings fund. It could be, um, hey, I want to make some type of investment, um, stocks, bonds, cryptos, you know, that type of thing. Um, It could be uh, uh, children's savings funds for uh, education long term, or it could be that, you know, that other bucket of, hey, we want to upgrade our home. Just knowing that, um, and now we've run. Now we've run our numbers. Let's say that home is going to be an additional six hundred dollars a month. Well, now we're down to a two hundred dollar per month. You know, net positive cash flow. Are we comfortable with that? Right? Are, is this the right decision for our family to do that? Are we comfortable with it? Um, and how how much do we really want that fe- that new feature? Right. The big upgraded kitchen, the huge backyard, the three car garage instead of the two car garage, or the attached garage instead of you know not an unattached garage or detached garage I should say rather, um, and knowing when it's right. I mean that you know and again it just goes back to um, it goes back to those deep uh, conversations and and being comfortable that hey we're ready to make this commitment. And one other thing I want to mention here, Josh, some people. Get into home ownership and they're like, I want to go back to renting. Okay. So, so, so that also does happen because there are a lot of responsibilities with owning. It comes with a lot of responsibility. And I guarantee you, if you upgrade that home and go to a bigger home, there's going to be even more responsibility. Right. So, um, we talk about responsible home ownership. Um, you know, we're starting and ending with it because it's, it's just very important.
0: Yeah. So if you don't like uh, mowing the small yard, you're not going to like mowing the big yard. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly <laughs> you're right. Getting
0: at. And uh, one other thing that you didn't explicitly say, but uh, I'm guessing you would point out is that when you do add in your example, that extra 600 bucks a month to your mortgage payment, uh, you also need to affect that six month uh,
1: savings you have as well. Correct? Yeah, that's exactly right. So, and that's not for your taxes are going to go up too, right? So, so if your payment's going up, everything is going up with it, right? Not to say that it's, it's right or wrong, you know, my wife and I, we've upgraded probably what, it, at least three times now and, but it's based, we're comfortable with it, you know, and, and we're comfortable with it. And, and and like you said, we don't look at it as, as an investment. Um, at the end of the day, we look at it as a, really, a, you know, a form of consumption and, and, and a liability, right? It's not until 15, 20 years down the road that you really have a quote unquote asset in, in your home.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So I've got one last question for you, but before we get into that, do you have any other just parting pieces of advice you give to somebody looking to get into their first home or upgrade into
1: a bigger one? No, I, you know, think about it long and hard um, and, and start with the finances, not the pretty pictures online. That is the most important thing. And last but not least, I will tell you, find yourself a great realtor. Don't just go clicking around online. Um, ask your friends and family, you know, if, if they've worked with a realtor, if they had a good experience, who they'd recommend, interview that person. Um, especially right now, Josh, it is such a competitive market on the buying side. You need to be working closely closely with a professional realtor to make sure that you have a chance at buying you know, one of, one of those nicer homes. And I, when I say nicer, I mean that has a, a good value equation too, because you can still get yourself a good value out there, but you have to be on it and you have to have your ducks in a row and ready to go. The only way that's going to happen is if you're working with the top-notch real estate professional.
0: Yeah. And that was actually my last question you kind of jumped into is, uh, what, what are the proper steps? I mean, we're, we're obviously based in the Milwaukee, Wisconsin area, but the, uh, listener reach for this is, is different than that. So I can't just say, Hey, go see Adam at, at Remax. Um, sure. so how, how would you recommend, uh, getting started to uh, build that list of individuals that you want to try and interview? What, what are the types of things to look for?
1: Um, The first, like I said, the first thing that I would do is ask family, friends, coworkers, um, people that you are close to that can get a, you know, give you a a real third party working experience. Hey, I, I, I factually worked with this person. I had a great experience, right? Because like in every business, there's a lot of marketing out there. And you know, a lot of people may be touting themselves, but if you can get a third party to tell you, "Yeah, I had a great experience with Adam or Joe or Steve or or Tammy, whoever it may be," uh, that's that's worth its weight in gold. Confirm that with an interview. Uh, hey, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna plug Remax here. You know, the the average uh, Remax agent uh, uh, country across the U.S. averages about 16 transactions per year. The industry average is five. So to give you an idea, Remax agents, um, you know tend to outperform um, our competitors three to one. We just do more transactions. We're more experienced, very professional. So I'd recommend, you know, go to Remax.com, punch in the, uh, the city that you're looking at, and then you can read, uh, you know, all the different bios and select who you want to interview. Um, those are the two places that, that, that I would certainly recommend. Um, and there's, there's plenty of great realtors out there. Um, what you don't want to do is on, you know, with, uh, let's, let's just use realtor.com and you click, Hey, go see this house. And you have no clue who you're showing up, who's going to show up to show you that house. The reason being is number one, you're probably not going to be prepared to buy it anyways, given the competitiveness of the market. But number two, if that realtor shows you that home and you want to put an offer on it and you don't like that realtor, you have to work with them anyways. Uh, there's, there's some laws in there called procuring cause that basically mandate uh, that, that because they've showed you that house, um, you have to write the offer with them. So, you know, you want to you stay away from that. That is the worst case scenario, Josh, and it happens hundreds of times every day across the country. And you can imagine, you know, when, when you have a bad working relationship with someone, the odds of being successful, especially in this competitive market, are slim to none.
0: Yeah, and you're just setting yourself up to leave a bad taste, and every time you walk in the front door, back door, park your car in the driveway, you remember how that didn't go the way you wanted to.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right.
0: All right. Well, big thanks again to Adam for joining me again to close out the budget and finance series. A great bookend. We, we started and finished this. So hopefully for all the listeners, you have all the tools you need to handle the money piece of starting a life together like the pros. So make sure to check out Adam and his team by going to remax.com and searching for the Milwaukee area or, you know, anywhere else in the country. And until next time, take care. We hope you enjoyed this episode and that you got some helpful thoughts as you plan the big day. So until next time, I'm Josh, and this is the Complete Wedding Planning Podcast, where we believe that weddings are supposed to be fun and fulfilling, not full of stress and conflict. Happy wedding planning! We are presented by Complete Weddings and Events, your leading provider of photo, video, DJ, photo booth, lighting, and coordination services. Visit CompleteWeDo.com for more info.